Revolution comes by combining two words. I, I'm sure you can't figure out what they are. But uh, a revolution is when something, uh, when there's a dramatic change in the way something works or in your ideas about it. It's called revolution. It's a dramatic change. And uh, what we've been talking about, we're, go- we're going through the book of First John. And um, what happens at the very beginning of this book, John tells his people, he's writing his people and he's telling them, I have actually seen and touched and heard God in the flesh. Jesus Christ, I've lived my life with him. I fellowshiped with him. We, we shared our lives together. And then he says this really cool thing where he says, and I still am. I'm still having fellowship with God. I'm actually jointly participating in his life. And he goes, so listen, I want to share this with you guys because I want you to be in fellowship with us. I want to share our life with you because we share life with God. And what you find in this book of 1 John is that John goes through this whole book and he says, and what happens when God's love and when his presence, when his very life starts to jointly participate with yours, when you start to share in the life of God, guess what? Everything changes. It just, it, there's a great change and it's awesome. And so that's why we're talking about a love illusion, that God's love changes everything. And uh, so today, um, as we look at this, one of the things that I know is you want something to change when it's not working, when it's, when it's broken, when all of a sudden, if something you value is being destroyed, if there's destruction that's happening. And, and, and when that happens, if there's something that's not uh, working or it's being destroyed, if it's being affected in a negative way, then I can tell you immediately, all of us will try to fix it, right? I mean, you will try to fix it. You will try to go in and engage with it. You will fight against it. You, you battle it because you, you want it to win. So for some of you, any of you out there care about your lawn? Anybody? Okay. All right, yeah, yeah, we're in Utah, it's not great. But hey, but if you're a lawn lover, man, and grubs are in your lawn, then what do you do? Yeah, you kill them, exactly. You wage war. You say, listen, man, you are not, you wake up one morning and all of a sudden your grass is all nice and brown and it's starting to die. You don't just let that happen. You go after it and you kill the grubs and you get them out of there. You fix it. So just this week, uh, Susie was pulling out of our driveway and she ran over a bolt. And next thing you know, she comes out. I mean, there's like this bolt stuck in our tire. All right. So when there's a bolt stuck in your tire, what do you do? Yeah, you go. See, because here's the point. If something is all of a sudden being destroyed or not working right, either you fix it or you do what? You take it to somebody who can, right? And you say, fix this thing for me. When cancer starts attacking your body... And it's seeking to destroy you physically. And what you do is you do everything you can to fight against it. And the point is, you know that there's nothing you can do, really. I mean, well, you can start changing your diet and there's some things of that nature. But you go to somebody who can fix it. Now today, the love illusion that we're going to talk about is this. A dramatic change that can happen when God's love enters into your life, today we're going to talk about a love illusion with sin. A love illusion with sin. 
Now, this was really crazy because we did this men's weekend, men's fraternity on Friday night and Saturday morning. And so I showed up and I, and I find out the whole weekend's about sin. And, I, you know, and it was just like, oh my goodness, this is an amazing tie-in because we're going to actually jump into this. Now, you might be sitting there right now and saying, oh, great, I'm here at church and we're going to talk about sin. <laughs> I, I just want to tell you, if you were sick, right, and you went to the doctor and you're not feeling good, what do you want the doctor to do? Tell me what's wrong with me <laughs> and fix it. <laughs> Give me something. Give me a remedy. Give me something that's going to take care of this thing inside of me. And you guys, see, that's what sin is. Sin is everything that's just not right. At the core of all of our brokenness, both inside of us and around us, the issue can always go back to somehow it's what's not right. It's, it's, it's literally what's not a part of God's nature. Really, if you look at any time, a definition of sin would be whenever you see something in the Bible and it's called sin, you're going to be able to see that, oh, the reason it's sin is because it is completely the opposite of how God works and who God is. And God's good. God is righteous, which means he's what makes everything right. It's what works. It's what's beautiful. It's what's harmonious. God is so good. And sin is everything that's not. So it's our anger. It's our addictions. It's our self-focused living that causes so much stress and so much fear and so much anxiety. That's what causes it. It's our greed. It's our sexual perversions. It's our injustice. It's our lack of concern for people. Even right in this room, we just, we just, we don't care very much. See, if everybody could care and if everybody could love, man, life would work, but we get caught up in this thing and it's called sin. So it's destructive to our own soul. And some of you in here today, you, you are, you're, you're empty or you're anxious or you're full of fear or you're just feeling heavy or you do, you have these emotions that are inside of you that's, it's just not, it's, you know, it's not the way that you want to live. So it's destructive to our own souls, sin is. And it's destructive to our relationships. All of our relationships eventually break down because of when, because we're usually acting somehow that's not in line with God. And it's just called sin. And most importantly, you guys, it is our sin. It's this, it's this brokenness inside of us that actually keeps us from the most important relationship. And that is what we were created for. Your very fuel for life. Your very source and power and energy and the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all this fruit that God has that we were created for comes from being in connection with God, this fellowship with God, this jointly participating, sharing your life with God. And that's why John says, oh, I want to share this book with you because I want you to have this. I want you, because then he says, because if we can get this going, you guys, he says, our joy will be complete. Anybody want your joy to be complete? Okay. See, this is why, like sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, when I first, you know, as I read you this passage, you'll see why. When I first read this passage, I'm like, oh man, you know, this is heavy stuff. But I'm telling you, if you're sick and you go to the doctor, it's not usually like, hey, you know, it's usually kind of like, ugh, there's something not working. And how good is it 
when the physician has a remedy and when the physician can come in and help you become free from what's ailing you. And that's what we're going to look at today. So, um, and I, let me just, that's good enough. So here's what, here's what we're going to do is, um, Mac Van Rankin is a, a guy who comes here to K2 and, uh, he and his wife, Melissa, I had talked with Mac, I don't know, a while ago, actually. And he had shared with me this reality of this, this struggle with sin. See, because some of you in this room today, your struggle right now is just in the fact that your life isn't working well. And, and maybe you're here for that very reason. And you're hoping, could it be that God could actually help me with my life? Could God help unsave our marriage? Could God, uh, whatever. And you're, you look at the areas of your life and you're hoping that God might be able to come in. And some of you are here for that reason. Others of you are here because you really already do believe in Jesus. You really do and you, you love God. And yet your struggle is actually internally, you, you're a Christian, but you're really struggling with God. You're struggling to say yes to him. You know you're actually not walking closely with him. And that causes this really gross tension inside. So anyway, Mac was talking to me and he was just sharing with me a season, long season in his life of this struggle with sin. And um, so I called him up about, about 10 days ago and I said, hey dude, we're going to talk about this today. And I know you've always told me you want to share this with the church, which is pretty amazing that, uh, that he wants to do this. But I think you'll see why he's doing it in just a second. So we're going to start off and give you a chance to hear a little bit of Mac uh, and Melissa's story. I was about 14 years old. I got a TV for Christmas. And we hooked cable up to the TV. And it didn't take me long to find a channel that wasn't right, wasn't appropriate. And most of my nights, I'd be surfing those channels, um, looking for stuff I shouldn't have been looking for. 18, 19 years old. Then I went to college, had a computer. It was about my junior year in, in college. Halfway through my junior year, I met my wife. I thought, oh yeah, here, here we go. I'm in love now, I won't have to do this, I won't have to look at this. Still did. She had no clue that I struggled with this. Angry all the time, I was constantly angry. And I would go down and look at pornography every other night, sometimes every night. I remember one night, we were at dinner, and Melissa asked a simple question. It wasn't even like confronting me, and I just picked up the plate and threw it against the wall, and my daughter was sitting there. She was crying. Melissa was looking at me like, where did this come from? Shortly after, I go back downstairs to look at pornography. After she caught me, oh, okay, you caught me, I'm done. I won't do it anymore. And, and I was, and I meant it. You know, I, I meant it 100%. I wasn't going to do it anymore. A few days later, I'm back down there. And then I had to hide it because I, oh, I'm not going to hurt her anymore. It's a constant battle. She would catch me. It was never me going to her and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, I got to admit. The whole time I knew God was still there, but I just didn't want any part of him at all. And I... I consciously chose to push him out of the way, and when I did that, it just got 
I was just a complete rage the entire time. So, um, I, I know for all of us, I mean, you know, even for Mac to be willing to go ahead and share honestly, a struggle that almost every guy in this room struggles with, but we can't let anybody know that. <laughs> but here's what I want to ask you today is do you find even within your own self that something feels like it's getting out of control? Do you feel like there's some stuff in you, and I love the imagery in that video, where it feels like stuff is falling apart. Stuff is being destroyed, even within your own heart and soul. See, because Mac already at this time, this is a really important part of his story, he had already asked Jesus to come into his life. He, he was walking with Christ and struggling, and then eventually hit a time where it's like, and this is what can happen. When sin gets into your heart for a long enough period of time, your heart can get hard enough that you actually start to not care and you want to push things aside. And man, just like that picture, stuff starts falling apart and getting washed away in your life. See, we wonder why our relationships are broken and why they fracture and why they don't continue on. And it's, there's many different reasons and I'd just love for all of us in this room today to start to really, and you guys know yours, I, I don't even have to, let me just give you a, a few that are so prominent, and we'll look at a passage in this. Some of it is sexual stuff in your life that can be so gripping and so addictive, and God has this beautiful plan. He loves sex. It was his idea. It's all, that's why it's so good. But the problem is, when we go outside of what his plan was for it, man, it, it starts being, it's so powerful that it actually can be as powerfully negative as it is powerfully positive. You know, and then right along with that was his anger. And some of you guys right now, you have, you have emotions inside of you that you know are tearing you up inside. And they're hurting everybody around you. And those emotions can either be extremely aggressive and controlling, or they can be just the opposite, and they can be completely repressive. Like you feel so much fear or so much insecurity, and that, that you pull away. And the same thing happens. Relationships get broken, both from over-aggression and from pulling away. And it tears you up inside. And, and then another huge one is this issue of just, of greed, of, of God talks so much about how money is such a powerful positive influence. Like you guys know, to make things happen in this world so often, it takes resource to do that. And yet our hearts can get so consumed into taking all of that stuff for ourselves. See, God, his nature is completely generous, but our nature is often to, to pull it in and to live for ourselves. 
And what's crazy is one of the top destroyers in your marriage and in marriages across this country is money. See, because money shows where our heart is. And if we live for our stuff, it shows that our hearts actually are bent this way. And then it causes more anxiety and more fear because now you could lose everything you've gained. It's, it's just, it's, it's a hideous thing of the enemy spiritually to come in and to lure our hearts away from the ability to love and to be free. And then another one is just deception. Like some of us in this room right now, you, you actually have this amazing mask that you put on for before you even hop out of bed. Some of you got a mask in front of your spouse. Some of you got a mask with your kids, your coworkers. And so there's this, this false life that you're living. It's a lie. And you know it. And I'm telling you guys, you want to talk about a prison cell, that opening song? The prison cell where there's a shell going on around you. If you have to live in a life that's hidden and that you feel ashamed of, that you can't just be freely and say, hey, this is me. Then you have to live like this. See, God, here's what's so cool, you guys, is God looks at sin and how it destroys our souls and how it destroys our relationships and how it puts so much burden and heaviness on us. And here's the best news today is he's not okay with that. Is that not good news? See, at first you're like, uh, I don't know. I just want to tell you, it's good news that you have a spiritual father, a spiritual surgeon who wants to save your life. He wants to save your soul. He wants to save your marriage. He wants to give you life. That's what John was so excited about. So I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to jump in to see how could you and I have a love-illusion with sin? How could we have a dramatic change in how our life interacts with sin? Okay? Anybody up for that today? All right. It's so cool because it can be yours today. Every day we're together. I just I love the fact that we could walk out of here with a total evolution taking place. All right, let's pray for it. Father, I just I can't wait to share this. This is my life. My life is struggling and fighting to have a evolution with sin. And I just want to say thank you that you give us what we need to fight this stuff inside us that just, why we do the very things we don't want to do. And we don't do what we want to do, God, and you know that. And Lord, I'm just so grateful. I believe everybody is here today because you want to speak into their own personal kind of prison, their own lack of freedom from sin. And God, if there's anybody here today who, who still is just looking and wondering about you and has, has not yet received you, I just pray that you would open their eyes today to show them how beautiful and good and loving you are. And then, God, I pray for your kids in this room. I pray for all the people in this room who have received you and yet today know that they've been walking in sin. And in darkness, and they are, they know, they've tasted and seen that you're good. And yet they're not experiencing it in fullness. And I pray today, God, that you would set them free. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if this is true for you today, but I can tell you what I've, what I've been praying all week long. 
<laughs> Sorry for this, but I've been praying all week long that the Holy Spirit of God would be messing with you. Anybody been messed with this week? How many been messed with? All right, it's my fault. I'm sorry. No, I, I really have though. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit of God would be stirring your heart and bugging you about the stuff that's not good in your heart. Now, I don't know if you're walking in here going, yeah, I've been, all right. I hope so. Because um, then it might help us. So let me read the passage that we're going to look at. If you got your Bibles open to 1 John chapter 3. And uh, if you don't have your Bible, they'll be up here. And again, I'm going to say this every week. We do this. I've been saying this. Read this thing and read First John. We still got a couple weeks left next week and Christmas Eve. Um, read this. Jump in here. If you don't have a Bible, we have these. They're free out in there. Here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1. How great. <laughs> this is so good. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. That we could be called children of God. And that is what we are. <laughs> The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, now, now, we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning, and no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, and again, this is, John, whenever you hear this, dear children, it's this really warm, affectionate um, uh, kind of uh, name. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Now, can you see why the first time I read that passage, I'm like, oh boy. Isn't that, was that kind of heavy? All right, it's, if you were, it, it's heavy. But I'm going to tell you, it's heavy like sitting for the first time in a doctor's office. When the doctor tells you what the problem is. It's heavy like that. But when the physician comes and tells you, I'm going to cure you from that, that's good news. All right, so here we go. Here's the evolution. There's three things that we have that are happening here. The first one is there's a new work. There's a new work. See, the bad news, you guys, about sin, the stuff inside you, what the Bible teaches, what God has told us, is you can't fix it. You can't fix your sin problem. You can't get rid of it. Can I just tell you, I've been walking with Jesus for 26 years. I can't totally get rid of it. I can't. And so all of you guys, who are in, all of you in this room who are realizing, I, I got a problem. Welcome to the world. <laughs> Welcome to being human. And you can't fix it. But the good news is you can go to someone who can. <laughs> just like me, I couldn't fix the bolt in my tire. So I take it to discount tire. So you get cancer and you can't fix it and you go to the doctor. You guys, 
The bad news is you've got sin in your life and you can't fix it. The good news is you can take it to someone who can. And here's where John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. He says, but you know that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. See, this is a great time to go over this passage because what are we celebrating right now? Christmas. We're celebrating Christmas which is God sending Jesus into the world. And what this verse is telling us is Christmas happened. He appeared so that he could take away our sins. That's really, really good news. And then in verse 8, he says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared. There it is again. The reason we had Christmas was to destroy the devil's work. See, this is awesome, you guys. Christmas wasn't just so Jesus could come down and have a baby so we could have lots of presents and get fat, you know? That's not, I mean, seriously, just we had a Christmas, our staff Christmas party last night. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm already gained four pounds. I mean, it's, this is not what Christmas was for. Christmas happened, so Jesus came down here and said, listen, I'm coming in here because I'm gonna take away what's destroying your soul. And I'm going to take away what's destroying your relationships. I'm going to destroy the work of the devil who's been sinning from the beginning and who woos you and tempts you and causes you to move into stuff that you don't want into. And Jesus says, I'm coming and I'm destroying that. That is good news. I think in the video that was in the men's fraternity, the guy said, you know, you see the Christmas cards and they say, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And I think we're saying that because, you know, you can't say Merry Christmas anymore. You got to say Happy Holidays. So Jesus is the reason for the season. But the guy said, actually, that's, that's true, but it's really, we're the reason for the season. You are the reason. I am the reason for Christmas. Because God so loved you. He so loved you that he said, I'm going to send my son to take away your sin. You're the reason for Christmas. And you're sitting here today. I've been praying for you today that God would set you free from what's destroying you. It's an awesome opportunity. So you guys, what was his work? What did Jesus do? How does he take away our sin? There's two things. The first thing we talked about in the very beginning is Jesus is the one who takes away the punishment. One of the ways that Jesus takes away your sin is he, and we talked about this, how he was your atoning sacrifice. Jesus is the one who said, I will take on the punishment for your sins. So now God has already punished Christ on the cross. That's what the cross was all about. Was it God saying, I must, because I'm just, actually hate sin and punish it. I can't just say sin's okay because I'm a holy, really good God. And if I just let sin be okay, I wouldn't be holy. So he punishes your sin, but he punished Jesus. And one of the reasons that he takes away your sin is because now that God has already punished Christ for your sin, he will never punish one sin twice. He's not gonna punish Christ on the cross and now look at you and say, okay, now I'm gonna get you too. That's just not what he's about. No, his goodness was that he put all of his punishment, the sin was put on Christ. So your sin, the Bible says, was literally put into Christ's body and the father punished the sin. So he took it away. And that means you're free. Come on, all of you today who are followers of Christ need to know that truth right there. You are free. 
You are justified, as the Bible says. You are seen without blemish and no accusation. I don't care what you've done. And God is saying, I've already punished it. It's away. See, so Christ has taken away the punishment. That's part of his work. But here's the second thing. He doesn't just take away the punishment. He takes away the power. He takes away the power of sin. How? Can I say, if you're a Christian here today, how many of you want to know how? (laughs) Please. He defeats the presence of sin with his presence. He defeats the presence of sin with his presence. See, because what the scripture said is in him is no sin. If there's no sin in Christ, then our hope of him diminishing the power of what's destroying your heart and your relationships is the one who has no sin. His presence in your life destroys the presence of sin. That's his work. How does that work? Okay, here's a second thing. There's a new work. The second thing is there's a new nature. You literally have a new nature. And we've got to buy it. We've got to believe this. In John chapter 1, verse 12, um, uh, which is the gospel he wrote about the life of Jesus. Because this has been my question. God, how do I appropriate this work that you've done on my behalf? How do I make it really real for me? And in John chapter 1, he says, to all who received him. Okay, so I'm, that would be his presence. I'm bringing his presence into me. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, this is, this is, this is so cool. Children, not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. How does God, how does Jesus defeat sin with his presence? He does it by giving us a new nature where we're actually born of God. So let's go to 1 John and let's look at a few of the verses. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, I didn't, um, Varag, it's, it's switched around just a little bit. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says this. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because, are, are, you, are you sitting here if you're a Christian, you go, no one born of God will continue to sin? Are you kidding me? I mean, who do you know? <laughs> Who's ever lived that out, right? And have you ever looked in the mirror? Okay. So, who, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Really? Why not? Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. Can't? Are you kidding me? Because the reason they have been born of God. Let me share this a little bit more. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. 1 John 3, 6. No one who lives in him. No one who jointly, that what that means is, no one who jointly participates in the very nature of God, okay, you live in him, keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Okay, 
Let's explain this. This is really cool. So he goes off in that first verse and he says what? No one can continue to sin. Why? Because God's seed remains in you. You know what the Greek word for seed is? Spermal. What does that mean? Okay, so this is so cool. So God is using, the Bible is using a reproductive term to help us to understand what happens spiritually. See, because we all have this nature, right, that's bent away from God. We have this nature that's bent towards ourselves. It's called the sinful nature. Every human being has it. We got this sin stuff inside of us. So what's God's remedy? The remedy is, I'm going to give you a new nature. When you believe in me, he says, what happens? You receive me. And what happens when you receive me? You are born of God. And he says, the reason you can't keep on sinning is because God's seed, his sperm, literally remains in you. Now, so what you guys could say is what happens is God is placing his DNA in you. How many of you have kids? Okay. How many of you, when you look at your kids, every once in a while you go, oh my God, that's me. I mean, isn't that crazy? I mean, you see, and sometimes they look like you physically and they got your physical DNA and sometimes they got your emotional DNA and sometimes they got your artistic DNA or your athletic DNA or your musical DNA or whatever it is. But you can look at them and you go, you can tell that's Dave Nelson's kid. You know what was really cool? Um, last year, I was speaking back at our church in Detroit and my dad and uh, his, uh, his wife were there and I got done and I walked uh, to the back of the auditorium where he was sitting. Ah, oh, it's a great moment for me. <laughs> he, he just looked at me and he said, man, Dave, he goes, I sit there and he goes, I can't believe, just great job. He goes, you, you really do a great job. And then he said, and I sat there and I looked up there and he, and he said, and I thought, that's part of me up there. See, that's really cool. When you receive Christ, you are born of his seed. And God looks at you as his child. And he says, I see me. That's part of me. And see, you guys, this is how God destroys sin's presence with his presence is he gives you a new nature. And so John can say, I'm a child of God. (laughs) Why? Because I'm so awesome. No, because I'm not. And I recognize that fact. And I ask for forgiveness for my sin. And I put my faith in Jesus as the one who took it away. And as soon as I put my faith in Christ, God took my sin away, made me holy in his sight so he could put his seed inside of me, his Holy Spirit. And now you have a new nature. And from the time you're born, and I say this all the time, you guys, when you're a baby, I mean, how, what kind of expectations do you have of that baby? You don't have any. You're like, oh, you just love it. And you feed it and you protect it and you hold it. But you're hoping that baby grows up, right? But the cool thing is, you guys, what God is saying is your hope to be free from sin is I'm in you now. And in me, there is no sin. My DNA is now inside of you. 
and I'm going to grow you up. You are going to mature. See, if you, if you accept Christ at 60, you're still born again as a spiritual baby at 60. And then you grow. And God's growth is maturing you to become more and more like Jesus. And he'll set you free. So what happens then? You get this new nature. Here's the third thing that happens. As soon as that literal transaction takes place in your heart, you have a new resolve that you didn't have before. Look at this. 1 John 3, 2 through 3. Dear friends, now we are, chi- now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. See, what hope do you have? The hope I have right now is right now I'm a child of God. That's great hope. The Bible calls it living hope. I have hope because God lives inside of me. But he says, I also have this eternal hope that someday when I see Jesus and when this earthly struggle is over, I'm going to be changed in an instant and I am going to be completely new and be made like Christ. See, it's like a seed. Again, like let's say an, uh, an apple seed, right? An apple seed and an apple tree are of the exact same essence. You guys understand, right? They're of the exact same essence. But this thing eventually grows in to this thing. See, so on this planet, while we're down here, we receive Christ and then we grow and we grow. And you don't, this seed, I mean, it's kind of a weird illustration, but this seed probably doesn't go, man, I had no idea I could be this. He doesn't even know what he can be. And that's what the Bible is telling you. You have no idea what you can be, but keep growing, keep maturing, keep becoming what you already are. See, that's great hope. You're already a child of God. First John 3, 6 or 9, he says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. See, and this is the one, let me just share this because this is really important. It does not say that no one born of God will not sin, right? Oh, it's not up there. Can you guys put that verse up there? First John 3, 6 and First John and, and 9. It does not say that someone who's born of God won't sin. It says you won't continue to sin. What that means is this, and I'll, and I'll just tell you, I have struggled with sin for years. Anybody else? Okay. So I look at this verse and I go, well then, wait a second. I've been walking with him for 26 years. Shouldn't I be better at this? And, but his point is, David, he's saying, what I'm saying to you is, you, what the word means, what the verb means, is you will not continually just live in that pattern of life that's against me. Now that I can say, because you know what happens to me when I sin? And I can sin. Pretty good at it, unfortunately. But when I sin, I hate it. See, when you hate sin, you fight it. See, that's what he's saying. He goes, see, if you're born of me, David, you're going to have me inside of you and there is no sin in me. I hate it because it destroys things, destroys you and your relationships. So when this comes inside of you and you do it, the spirit inside of you goes, ugh, hate that. So what you find is half of you is going, I don't know, that was pretty awesome. And the other half of you is going, I hate it. 
You guys know what I'm talking about? So this is why Paul in Romans 7 goes, why do I do the very thing I don't want to do? And why don't I do the very thing I want to do? Wretched man am I, right? He's talking about this tension inside of us. But what God is saying is this. If you have me inside of you, you have that tension. And you will fight it. You will not continually do what I am not about. Does that make sense? All right. There's a new resolve. And so, um, so now let me just go to the last, last thing. There's a new work. Jesus came to take away your sin. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil who's always trying to keep you separated from the goodness of God in your own heart. Jesus came and he said, I'm taking that away. I'm going to take your sin away if you put your faith in me and I'm going to replace it with my nature. You're going to have a new nature. There's a new work. There's a new nature. And because you now have the DNA of God inside of you, there's a new resolve. And now you can fight what destroys you. I'm telling you, every time I do premarital counseling with people, I say, there is the, the hope for your marriage is not you. Your love ain't all that great. His love is perfect. And once you figure out how to tap into this, it can change everything else around you. Okay? So now here's the question. How do we have a love illusion with sin? How do you actually live this out? And I want to practically just walk through this with you. The first one, the first thing that happens is this. When you sin, when you do something when, that's outside of God's nature, you finally see it for what it is. You finally see it for what it is. You see that it's incompatible with God. You see that it's not good, and you see that it's not right, and then what happens is you actually hate it because he's inside you. That's the first thing that happens. You see sin for what it is, okay? The second thing that happens, and this is what you need, the second thing I have to do is once I see it and I start to hate it, and side note on that, you guys, can I just be totally honest with you? Sometimes I don't hate my sin. And that really bugs me. When I'm caught up in something and I don't hate it, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you guys ever struggle with that. What I find myself having to pray then is literally I'll say, God, help me hate it. I'll ask him, you're inside of me. It's your nature that hates this, not mine. My nature actually likes it. Your nature hates it. So give me more of your nature. Help me to hate what is wrong. Give me the resolve to fight against this thing. So if you're not feeling hatred for your sin right now, you might just need to ask God to help you with that. The second thing, though, is once you get to that point is you've got to confess it. Because you have to get it out into the light. And I, I, I just can't, I can't tell you how to, I know how hard it is, even when I'm all by myself and it's just me and God, how hard it is to get my junk out into the light and confess it to God. I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. I can feel like he's going to be mad at me. And whenever I feel those things, I will want to keep it inside. You know what happens when you keep it in the dark? It just stays inside of you. As soon as you open it up, God's grace will touch your sin. It will touch it. I remember one time I was confessing sin to God and I was like, God, I'm really sorry for what I did on, on Friday. And, uh, and I'm serious. I know this is kind of weird to you, but once you get to know God, he actually speaks to your heart. 
And I just felt like God said to me, well, what'd you do? And I said, well, you know. <laughs> and he's like, no, what'd you do? See, and because I wanted to skip that whole, I didn't want to really want to be honest with God. I just wanted to say, hey, I'm sorry for what I did on Friday. No, David, tell me what you did. <laughs> well, see, I write out my prayers to him. So as soon as I had to write out what I did, the pencil dropped from my hand and the tragedy and the destruction of that sin finally hit me in the face. I got it into the light. And as soon as that happened, you guys, then I broke before God. Then I did. And I just want to tell you, the other thing that's really, really, really powerful, and some of you are at this point, is confessing just to God. You've been confessing your sin to God over and over, and nothing's happening. At some point, you actually have to tell another human being. Scariest thing I've ever done. And the most powerful thing I've ever done. You get it into the light with another person who you trust, who will give you grace, who will treat you like Jesus does, who will forgive you. When you get it out in the light, it will break your sin. I'm telling you, the power of the sin will go away. You got to get it into the light. Once you confess it, here's the third thing. You got to, first thing, you got to believe. You got to see it for what it is. Second thing, you got to confess it. Third thing is you have to actually believe that when you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And some of you are Christians and you confess your sin, but you do it and you go, but I've been doing this forever. There's no way he's going to forgive me. See, that's the enemy. The spiritual enemy wants to say that to you. You're a scumbag. You think you can just keep doing this and God's going to keep forgiving you? Are you kidding me? See, well, the Bible says, uh, yes, yes, all of your sin was in Christ, all of it, and it's all been punished, and so God can't punish you anymore. He just can't, because he's holy, and he's just, and he loves you, so he can't now punish you. So what do you do? Oh, well, if God won't punish me, I will, right? And you're just like beating yourself up, and you know, pam, and just, because if God's not going to, I feel too bad. You've got to believe. The work of God is to believe that all of your sin was in Christ. And once you do that, you can be free. And then the fourth thing you guys do is once you've done that, is then you got to repent and you got to turn and you got to run from it. I, I said this once before. I heard one guy say, he goes, see what Christians do is they'll get caught up in sin and they'll confess it to God, but then they like to keep it around like a pet. You know, and they just, you know, I'm not, I mean, you know, just stay over there, but you kind of keep it close and you have this, you know, just in case. At least it's still there if life gets harder. I'm not, you, know, you know what the Bible says? Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. And you know what, the, what that word really is? It's the word for murder. Kill it. Kill it. What does that mean? That means if you've got stuff in your life right now that you know is destroying you, get rid of it. <laughs> you got to turn and book and you got to run away from it. You can't have it hanging around. You have to make some really strong, conscious decisions to move away from it. Okay? And once you run away from it, then what do you do? Then you walk in the light and you stay with God. And then what happens? You sin, and you start all over again. 
and you see it for what it is, and you confess it, you believe, and you receive it, and you run from it. And then you walk in the light, and then what happens? You fall into sin. Do you guys know that this is going to be the rest of your life? Did you guys know that none of you are Jesus? Just want to make sure. Do you guys know that? Okay. See, so if you're not Jesus, but what it says is, with ever-increasing glory, we're being transformed into the image of, with ever-increasing, which means, do you ever get there? No, but what happens is step by step, you're growing, you're a seed and you're maturing and you're growing and you're growing and you're growing and God is saying, and I can make you stronger and more mature and more like Christ. But really not until you leave this planet and we hang out in heaven, that's when you're actually going to become the full mature person. Okay. So just give yourself a break. I need to hear that one so often. Give yourself a break, but at the same time, don't stay stuck in your sin. You have a new nature that can fight it, confess it, receive it, and move on. Okay, let's watch Max the rest of the story. I remember at that time, it was like, you know what, I got to tell her. I got to tell her I did this, and I'm going to admit it to her before she finds out. It was on the way home, almost to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and, uh, I'll never forget. So I, something just came over me that said, you need to tell her and you need to tell her now. I was like, no, I, I don't want to tell her. I don't want to tell her. And I remember her saying, I'm out of here. When we get home, I'm leaving. And it just devastated me. If I had told him before, like, we can't keep going down this road. This is very hurtful. I won't divorce you, but I'll just go live with my mom. Like, we're just not, I'm not going to do this to our girls. We had had a new baby. absolutely remember breaking at that time and I'm driving both my girls are in the back seat Melissa's in the side and I start punching myself just bam bam I mean and he's not, driving not lightly I mean extremely hard finally when I said I do have a problem this is an issue that I have um, it came out I was honest with her honest with myself and honest with God and well, that was the first time you had brokenness over it like, finally God broke your heart over it. Yeah. I have a really good buddy, Jared Bukta. Talk to him about it, and his first question is, have you talked to Melissa? And sometimes, yeah, I talk to her before Jared, and other times I go and talk to Melissa about it. I talk to God about it way before I talk to either one of them about it. And I still feel completely guilty. And... When I confess to him, there's the guilt is lifted off, but still there's the negative side of having to talk to my wife about it, and that's not fun at all. Because <laughs> I see the hurt in her eyes again, and it just, ah, it hurts. One of the biggest things I realized through this whole battle, this whole struggle that, that goes on, is that God is always there. Always. Um, <clears throat> and then to realize that... Um, that he died for me, you know, and took that personally, you know, and to see that, you know, just the pain and agony and taking my sin after I spit in his face, uh, just means so much to me. And, and just to think about, he's loved me so much to do that for me, to take my sins, not only that, but then to start talking to me again. 
where I can, you know, I can pray to him and, and he's still willing to talk and not just talk, but, you know, really love on me. And now I realize that I can go to him with anything, anything at all, and he'll be there. So guys, here's how we're going to close the service today. You, every one of you in this room, have a chance to let his presence get rid of sin's presence. Today. It's, it's all yours. It's all, all the work's already been done. He just sits there and waits for you to come and join him in the light. And so our greeters are going to come forward because we're going to take, we're going to take communion today. But the reason we're going to take communion today is because Jesus said, I so want you to remember what I've done for you. So he's going to have this, this, this bread that he said represents my body that was broken for you. And I want you to remember that I've already taken, go ahead and keep passing it right out now, you guys. I, Jesus is saying, I want you to remember that my body took on your punishment. It, it, it already, I took away your sin. And he said, I want this blood, this, my blood has been shed for you. And the Bible says there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. But he goes, I want you to remember because you are going to have such a hard time believing that my forgiveness is yours and my presence is is yours. You can commune with me. You're going to take this and you're going to put it inside of you as a representation that you received Christ and that he's inside of you. Now, here's what you need to do, though. I'm going to, let me address all of you who are Christians in here today. You can't, he says, go on sinning. You can't continue to do what you're doing if you're born of me. So some of you are here today and you know there's been this pattern of sin inside of you and he's telling you, you can't keep doing this. And so what some of you need to do is you need to come clean with God today. And you need to get into the light and you need to confess your sin you need to confess to God, I am doing and living in ways that are completely opposite of what you are. And as we talked about earlier, John said, if you claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, you lie. Because what fellowship can darkness have with light? So you can't just walk in sin and say, I'm a violent of Christ, but I walk in sin. Do you guys see how that's incompatible? And so this moment here for you is to say, Wait a second, I've got his nature in me. I am his child right now, and I have this hope. And I am going to come clean before God. If you're not a follower of Christ today, but you want the power to come inside you to set you free, then today, on this moment today, you can put your faith in Christ and you can receive him into your life. 
you can put your faith in his sacrifice on your behalf, that God has placed all of his wrath towards your sin on Christ so that your sin is taken away. And some of you today, you know it, you need your sin taken away. It's destroying your soul. It's destroying your life. And that, the best news again, is that's not okay with God. So here's how we're going to do that. Band, you guys need to come out. Here's how we're going to do that. Is, um, I just know there have been really, really important moments in my life with God where I've needed to respond because he's speaking to me. And so we've actually put, um, we put carpet down here. And the reason, you guys who come to K2, you're like, what are these things <laughs> that we just handed out to you because we don't ever do communion this way. The reason we chose to do communion like this is because I'm going to encourage you today. Right here, right now, if the Holy Spirit of God has been speaking to your heart and telling you no more, come on. Let my presence back in. Let's start having fellowship again. Let's start jointly participating again. Get out of the sexual stuff. Get out of the financial stuff. Get out of your anger. Get out of your bitterness. Get out of your unwillingness to forgive. Get out of your thinking that you're better than other people. Confess those things to me. Get out of your deception and your lies. Quit living this life that is destroying you and destroying others. And I'm going to ask you at any time, we're going to take a good, good section of time here just to worship him and sit with him. And at any time you want, you guys come down. And if you just want to kneel and come down before God and kneel before him, as is not, and the reason the Bible tells us to do that is it's just a status of humility. And some of you just need to, like, like Mac in his video, I was finally broken. And some of you, I just think today, might need to just come down and kneel here and take communion before God as you confess to him. All right? You can do it in your seat, obviously. But sometimes you just feel like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and we want to give you that chance to respond in that way. So guys, I don't know if we could, but I th- I'd love if we could maybe dim the lights down out in the, in the uh, over top of everybody so you can just have your own time with Jesus as we're worshiping together. And if at any moment you want to come down here, please feel free. Mac and Melissa are actually here this morning. My wife's here. I'm here. We'll be sitting down here. Mike Rutledge is here. And if you need someone to pray with um, as well, if you just feel like you need to pray with somebody and have us pray with you for your freedom, let's do it. Let's have a love dramatic change right now with sin.